Great greetings, goddess, and welcome to this juicy conversation. Aviola here, and welcome to the Rich Goddess Spiritpreneur Accelerator Series, where I will be featuring right here on the podcast with you, master gurus who are also master teachers in my Rich Goddess Spiritpreneur Accelerator Program. Say that five times fast. (laughs) This is an eight-week spiritual business course for healers, coaches, priestesses, creative gurus to help you to start, grow, or save your mission and call in your tribe and your abundance. And so if you're feeling in alignment and you want to stay in the loop for this program, be sure to join my free spiritual business success camp at unblockmybusiness.com unblockmybusiness.com where new free lessons are uploaded often and you'll receive information on how to go to the next level when you're ready to and joining the rich goddess spiritpreneur accelerator now in that program the incredible woman that i have on the line dr janine staples is going to be teaching a master class on how to push through the fear of being seen. So mm. important for us as a group, as a tribe of light workers, of change makers, because we are being called to the front and the time is now. Welcome, Dr. Janine. Oh my goodness. Abiola, thank you so much for welcoming me to this space. It is a privilege and an honor. Oh, I love getting to play and hang with you, sis, so thank you. Thank you so much. Well, let me tell them a little bit about you, my sister. So, Dr. Janine Staples is an associate professor of literacy and language, African-American studies, and women's gender and sexuality studies at the Pennsylvania State University. Oh, I have some materials and some things I need to send you, sis. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. yes. She focuses on dismantling supremacist patriarchy through research, teaching, and coaching. As a sociocultural literacist, Dr. Staples works to understand personal and public voices and the stories to solve personal and public problems. This woman has an incredible movement that she has created in the world. And so, sis, that is the, the, those are the accolades, just a tiny bit of them. Who's the woman behind all of that? Wow. Well, I'm also the founder of the Supreme Love Project, and that's probably the most relative, uh, irrelevant piece of information for the audience, so I'm happy to plug that in as well. Some people might say, why do we need to listen yes. to this professor? <laughs> I am the founder of the Supreme Love Project <laughs> as well, and Abby, thank you for that gracious introduction. And um, I say the the person that I am is I am a free woman. I am uh, a liberated woman about... This is 27. About five years ago, I got super serious about making my liberation project public. And I'm a big advocate that every woman and every girl needs a liberation project, a personal liberation project. And so when people ask me who I am, I say that I am the one who can coach you to develop your personal liberation project so that you can be free in your identity, in your voice in your passions, in your purpose, 
um, and in your beliefs to reach higher planes while you live on this earth. Oh, that sounds so beautiful and so inspiring, meaning, you know, with the real meaning of in the spirit, beautiful. And so if someone's saying, well, what is a personal liberation project? Can you explain what your journey has been? Yes. So a personal liberation project is just a singular enterprise. It's your, um, basically, it's your focus of business. It's your focus of inquiry and where yourself is centered. And the reason we need a personal liberation project is because so many of us, from girlhood into womanhood have been decentered in our own lives. We are not clear necessarily about our identity when it comes right down to it. We do a lot of performance. Um, we are given lots of messaging. There's lots of socialization that says who we should be, um, who is, you know, sort of a right person or a desirable person or someone who could be chosen um, by a patriarchal norm or value. And yet we don't necessarily have a project at the center of our consciousness that helps us to self-define and self-possess, um, to be self-aware of our own volition, literally without influence um, from all kinds of people who really want to co-opt our consciousness so that they can fly. Um, and so did I answer that question? <laughs> I was going to start talking about what is included in my personal liberation project, but I want to pause to make sure yes. that, that was yes. helpful. Okay. I think that that was helpful, and I think that it's really, really important because you can't dismantle it if you don't identify it first. So thank you for breaking that down for us. Yes. And so now please share with us what your journey was to realizing that you even, you know, I mean, it's a kind of redundant question, you know, like it's like Mm -hmm. the line in For Color Girls where she says being black and being a woman and being a color, being being black, being a woman and being colored and being sorry is redundant in this world. But what is your, when did you realize you needed a personal liberation project? I realized I needed it. Aviola, when I found myself on the floor of my bedroom, basically dissolved to a puddle of tears, um, on the brink of an emotional breakdown, um, where my life literally came crashing down on me. And it was because, and I'm absolutely not at all here to do sob stories or to do victims, um, manifestations. I'm really literally telling the story. I had been performing my womanhood. Yeah. So much and to such a high degree um, that many of the behaviors, many of the beliefs, many of the decisions that I made in service of other people's dreams, other people's visions, other people's standards, other people's fantasies, other people's requirements came crashing down on me. And so I found myself in a puddle. I was just at the on the verge of despair. Actually, I was in the pit of despair. Um, I had experienced um, and generated for myself a whole cacophony of life wherein my um, family was fracturing. Um, I'd lost a parent, and if anyone who's ever lost a parent knows what that pain is like, it's really horrifying. I lost a sibling. Um, Even the person who was not as close to their sibling would find that that's an extreme and tragic event. No one imagines that they would bury their sibling. Um, I lost aunties, uncles, great uncles, great, uh, my godfather, my godfather. Literally in the span of about four years, I lost about 12 people. And in addition to that, I'd also, because I was a codependent, was drawing in narcissists. So I dated two men who I believe suffered from narcissistic personality disorder. So I suffered um, 
psychological abuse, emotional neglect, um, some financial extortion. Um, let's see, social just um, stratification, just a lot of rejection. Um, and my performance, my facade crumbled. And when I realized that I did not have an interior constitution to hold me up, in the midst of all that life generated, um, I just crashed to the floor. It was it was in that moment, 2.32, I remember this specifically, 2.32 in the morning on a Thursday, that I said, if I don't get myself free from this bondage that I've created, I'm going to lose my life. I can't continue this way. I cannot continue this way. And so that's when I realized that my hope for every girl and woman is that they don't get to that space where they feel... Um, that much pain and despair and fracturing from the inside out and yet unfortunately often that's kind of what it takes there's a lot of um how do i say there's a lot of incentive built in to performing our womanhood instead of embodying it and yes. it takes a lot it takes a lot for us to come to the space where we say i'm done with the performance i really want me i really want to know myself um there's some risk involved in that, and that's why it takes us to that crashing point. But my hope is that we don't have to go that far. That is so powerful, and thank you for your vulnerability in sharing that with us and your transparency. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. you know, I want to highlight, you said, you know, that you hope that for many of us that it we don't have to go that far to get that far, but for for... Too often, for me, it was a, a floor moment as well. It was the, the kitchen floor. Mm -hmm. um, but for too, too often, for many of us, because we are numb to the fact that we okay. have been performing our womanhood since 12 years old or whatever the age yep. was for you listening, you know. Um, yep. And so many of us, it's more like a silent scream, you know, oh, like yeah. when you meet someone and everything in their being is crying out for help, but they think that that's just how it is or that's how it has to be. Can you address what it means to be performing womanhood? And a lot of people are performing their blackness or their Latinaness or, you know, performance of self versus embodiment of your, your very being. That's right. Sure. So it's very difficult to identify performance um, because it's so um, deeply invested. We're invested in performances. So, for example, particularly as a woman of color, you can go into multiple social institutions and see performances so much so that you can't see them anymore. So we see performances in our places of worship. We see performances in our homes. We see performances on college campuses. We see performance in our graduate programs. We see performances in our masterminds and our social circles to build businesses. We see performances on our places of work. And it's where women are doing the things they're told to do, speaking and dressing and um, just even holding their bodies the way that they were taught to, engaging in all kinds of flirtations or passive aggressions or dismissals um, or cattiness or gossip fests or um, just loud performances with grandiose gestures or mousy, silent, um, subdued, shrinking affects. There's lots of different performances all around us, and they're so plentiful, Abiola, we sometimes don't even see them. What I start out with is I ask women to instead think about what happens when you're not performing. So that means 
think about when you're alone. When you're alone. When you're in your house or your apartment or your office um, and you're by yourself and your mind is racing or you feel tight in your body or you feel anxiety rising and you have no idea where it's coming from or why it's coming from at all. That's a sign of performativity. If you can't sleep at night, like if you wake up in the middle of the night, we have lots of excuses. Well, I have so much on my mind. I'm so busy at work. I'm trying to get this promotion or starting this business or I had a fight with my mom or my best friend and I are on the outs. So of course I'm waking up or of course I'm doing this or of course I'm doing that. Those are all signs and signifiers when you are alone and you feel diseased, disordered, when you feel um, unsettled, when you feel tired, inordinately so, disproportionately so. That's a sign that there's performance happening in your exterior space. Somewhere or in multiple places where you are living your daily life, you are pretending. And, and it's deep. Yeah. And it's pretty, pretty pervasive. So those are some signs. If you don't feel settled and confident and happy and um, sort of solid in your own skin, at ease and at peace with yourself when you're alone, that's a sign. You can wake up and look at how you're actually moving around in the world and creating space. Um, there's probably a lot of performance happening. Yes, yes. And the the thing is that often as women, we feel that or we've developed these performance personas almost as, well, not almost, but as we think that it's key to our survival, to our very mm-hmm. being and survival. I remember feeling the need that I just had to just dumb myself down. And it wasn't. Oh, yeah a conscious decision like one day I said oh I'm gonna play dumb but it just seemed apparent that you know people Mm -hmm. who would be uncomfortable with me being my full self and in order to be acceptable in order to be lovable you know because I have that codependency thing too but it wasn't just in personal relationships it was in professional relationships as well I felt like I only needed to bring, I I could only bring a part of me to the party. And so it was very draining. It's very draining when you are, it's extremely draining. And I'll give Mm -hmm. you an example, Dr. Janine. One of my clients has launched a very successful, incredible lingerie brand for women of color, um, focusing on our shades, brown shades, and, you know, um, us, yeah, us, like, you know, being able to have all of, you know, the full range of everything when they say nude, that it's not a generic Mm -hmm. nude, but you can find your nude. And she said that, you know, she finds it draining just even in the meetings with the men who run the lingerie companies because they assume that that because that's what she's doing because she's making bras that she's open for innuendos and open for flirtation and so Mm -hmm. what do we where where do we make the shift when people sign on with you or say oh my goodness I can't take this performance anymore or if they're listening and they're like that sounds great but I can't take on this program right now, what can they do in their, in their very lives right now to do, to be different, to do something different, okay. to sure. peel the layer? 
Yeah, that's absolutely. And I'm really glad that you brought up that example because it's a very concrete example of how a woman gets sort of seduced into performance. It's like you said, it's not a conscious choice. It's just sort of a way that you, you imagine yourself being creating an advantage for yourself. If you perform, then you can take care of other people's feelings and help them to feel comfortable so that you can be accepted or um, be included. The same is true for, you know, the sister who's done this amazing thing and created this line. So the first question is then what do you do if you notice that you're dumbing yourself down or you notice that you're even leaning into flirtations to sort of save, you know, the relationship so that you don't shoot yourself in the foot somehow. One of the things that we can do, well, first, I do, I'm a big advocate in getting a coach. So definitely getting a coach because it's such an entrenched problem. It's very difficult to mean discipline in creating a liberation project for yourself without somebody holding you accountable and inside of a community that's safe, where that's the expectation and the agreement. But if you're not going to do that for yourself right now, one of the first things you can do is just start to practice mindfulness. And a lot of times people feel surprised when I say that because they're saying, well, you know, aren't you going to tell me what to say literally to the jerk who's flirting with me at work and I'm performing my agreement with that because I don't know what to say? Why don't you teach me how to say something back or give me a great retort? And I can do that. But what I want you to do as a woman first is to get into your body. If you start practicing mindfulness and learning to be very, very comfortable with stillness and silence, you are going to immediately get access to your feminine center. And that is the seat of all your power. So if I do the reverse and say, tell that jerk to leave you alone or file a complaint or, you know, um, you know, speak out against X, Y, and Z, what will happen is it'll probably you'll probably be operating from a masculine center or from the performance, and it will be unsatisfying. If you can start doing mindfulness practices, and you can find those anywhere on the web, and really start being in your body, noticing where your anxiety is stored, noticing where your anger or aggression sort of hides out. What you can do is you can hold space in the world, in public um, arenas, where people are maybe um, harping on the expectation that you're going to demote yourself intellectually, or you're going to avail yourself to some sexual advance, or they're laboring under the delusion um, or the injustice that you're going to silence yourself when they take the floor and co-opt too much space. But if you can get really, really comfortable with silence and you can get really, really comfortable with stillness and hold your strength from that space, you can go into those spaces where those sexual advances are coming at you, where those um, loud voices are coming at you. You can hold the space instead of from fear and shrinking. You can hold it from strength and confidence and even just holding silence and holding space in the place where you would typically diminish yourself, <clears throat> dumb yourself down, or do some other sort of performance. Literally, I'm not even kidding, Aviola, standing there erect, like literally strong, centered, feeling comfortable in silence, that can save you at least 30% um, of any communication or confrontation that you might have in your family, in your professional context, um, in a platonic social context with other women, literally being able to sit in silence and stand and hold the space and meet someone eye to eye without flinching, that is a way to reinforce your goddess um, <clears throat> energy and embody your womanhood as opposed to performing it. Yes, and it's so powerful because we're rarely in the present, we're rarely in our bodies, and we That's are right. rarely 
feeling our feelings. Most of us don't give ourselves the basic permission to feel our feelings. And so for our last question, can you Mm -hmm. talk about what it means? What, what is the meaning of embodiment? Mm -hmm. So embodiment is literally about abiding in your energy as a source of energy. So one of the things that I teach in the Supreme Love Project is to self-identify first and foremost as a spirit. So I ask women to really, really let go of that self-identification as a soul or self-identification as a soma, which is another word for body. We're often, when we're performing our womanhood, we are really self-identifying as a soul. Now, your soul is your cognitive space. It's where you're doing meaning-making. It's where you're doing knowledge production. It's where you are deducing and inducing. It's where you're you're sort of noticing facts. You are doing investigation. Um, You are keeping um, score your soma your body if you identify as a soma then you're often hypersexual um, or and the other extreme really invisibilizing yourself diminishing yourself to the extent that you're erasing yourself and that is because you're so identifying with this source of space that we're living in which is it's depreciating every hour every week every month every day so when women identify as bodies they often draw in more attention um, that is negative and that is not victim blaming or victim shaming at all because men are responsible for their eyes, their ears, their mouths, and their bodies. What I'm saying is when a woman self-identifies as a soma, as a body, um, her identity is built into a perishable thing. So what I say in the Supreme Love Project is first and foremost, identify as a spirit. If you can say to yourself and really begin to do ritualistic practices that help to um, engender the true belief, like at your, at your core, that you are a spirit, that you come from ethereal, deific places, and that you are stewarding a soul, you have given, been given by your creator the possession of this soul, this personality with all this intergenerational inheritance, with quirks and idiosyncrasies, with processes of meaning-making, and you are embodying and residing in a soma, you're just living in this space. You're living in this flesh. It's just where you live. It's not who you are. It's a part of yourself, but it's not your true identity. Your true identity is, is that in your spiritual essence, your energy, then you'll begin to know what it means to embody. So embodiment is about full self-possession of your unique, divine, specific, valuable, inherently treasured worth. It is so intimate that it does not need to be spoken. It does not need to be performed. It does not need grand gestures. It really is about energetic abiding that is organically being. So performativity, Aviola, and for all of our listeners, that's about doing, 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 doing. Like you've got a huge checklist to get the degree, get the car, get the house, get the man, get the baby, get the credentials, get the money, get the business, doing, 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 doing. That's a lot of performativity is anchored in that energy. Um, There's nothing wrong with any of those things. And I'm a big advocate of, really, really getting everything that you desire. But performing is about moving from a place of want. It's about desperation, hunger, and thirst. It's rooted in lack, um, and it's also rooted in facades. There's lots of um, puppetry um, in performance, whereas embodiment literally is being energy. It is being energy, not doing energy. Being energy performs doing that is generative 
And so being energy is about you being still and knowing for sure exactly who you are, exactly what you're worth, and being completely unflappable in any of that energy. That is so powerful, Janine. So powerful. And I know we've just scratched the surface because you coach women on how to heal the terrors in their soul and how to launch a revolution in their lives. And so can you give some information about, I know you've told us about the Supreme Love Project, but what does it look like if someone joins and then we'll share with them your great lover identity quiz that you have yeah can you share with us what uh, what exactly is so if someone's like okay wait now that sounds that's i need that i'm on the floor or i'm living a silent scream what now right so you can go to the supreme love project you can take this um lover identity quiz and the lover identity quiz will tell you if you're if you are performing a toxic or reactionary lover identity your lover identity is your entire relational ideology and way of being it's the way you know love do love experience love, see love, understand love. And as soon as you know your liber- identity, you can start your liberation project. So then once you sign up and you get that quiz done and you start getting coaching videos from me, you can get a lot of free services. Um, we produce summits all year long where I interview people like Aviola Abrams and lots of other amazing people <laughs> yeah. uh, where you can get free coaching, um, you know, as often as you want and on different topics that I produce with my team. But if you want a coach, where you want one-on-one attention from me and my um, co-coaches, my, my small team um, of intimately trained people, what you would need to do is sign up for a coaching program. Coaching programs are tuition-based. Um, they range in price from uh, $19.97, which is about $2,000 for a 12-week program where I teach you literally how to rebuild your lover identity. That's really like reclaiming your authentic voice. That's really understanding what it means to have an interior constitution, building one under the coaching of someone who's built her own um, and with other people who are like-minded. And it goes all the way up to my 12-month program. That's where it's even more powerful. That's where I teach the Supreme Love Healing Methodology. That's the guided meditation where I link up with you spirit to spirit and I teach you how to mediate the distance that's come between your soul and your soma so that you can unify yourself from the inside out. And that is life-changing. It's it's soul-altering, and it's it's soma-enlivening. And that is um, a formal investment as well. And if you go through the coaching programs, um, the results are phenomenal. We have women who um, have cut out all narcissists from their lives, who have healed from codependent um tendencies, who have repaired relationships with their family, with their children, who launch new businesses that are powerfully successful, all because they feel more centered and solid in themselves and have reclaimed their identity. So you can email support at JanineStaples.com to get information about any of our programs, and someone from the team will respond to you. And if you want to talk to me, you can say, Kim Scott, who is my um, online manager, I'd really like to talk to Janine, and she'll find a time on our schedule, and I'll hop on the phone with you. Beautiful. You are just so necessary, sis. You are just so necessary on this planet. That is the word for you. You are necessary. Necessary. Oh, that's so funny. You know, my dad used to say that. He said that's why we're staples. Get it? Like staples are. I love it. Yes. I I thought it was hilarious. Thank you so much. What a compliment. Yes. Yes. It's, It's so incredibly important and women 
have a tendency to put ourselves last. And so if you are tired of living a half life, or if you are just going through the motions and feeling exhausted at the end of the day, because it is exhausting to not be you, then definitely go take the lover identity quiz. And you can find that at the Supreme Love Project dot com slash free dash gift. The Supreme Love Project dot com slash free dash gift. This was such a juicy conversation and I'm so blessed that we could get to continue to talk yes. in your master class about yes. the power of visibility, which yes. is, you know, exactly an offshoot and, you know, what shows up as a side effect, really, of not embodying yourself and your life. And Absolutely. so I am looking Absolutely. forward to that, Miss. Any additional words of wisdom that you would like to share with these goddesses? Yes, my my last word, honestly, Abby, I'm really on this thing right now. I just say to myself, I want us all to get free. And one of the things that I've noticed, particularly in our communities where women of color thrive and where women of color are doing so many powerful things, we often think we've got it figured out. And what I would say, and the women who are here are doing so many things for themselves. What I would say is make your liberation project really, really come to center. It might be in the periphery where you are signing up for quick things, where you are dipping into church, or you're going to a mosque or temple, or you're doing, you're working out, you're beautifying yourself. And those are wonderful self-love and self-care practices. We want to keep them up. But what I would say is please, please, please don't wait until the last minute to make your liberation project, which is your interior work, the center of your focus. As soon as you do that in a very deeply um, intentional way, your life can up-level from wherever it is exponentially and almost immediately. So just don't wait. That's my final word. Don't wait, sis. Get in this. Get in it. Yeah. Don't wait. Don't wait. You're worth it, don't wait. sisters. Yeah, you're worth you're it. Worth it. Amen. Yes. yes. Amen. I say, and so it is. Thank you mm -hmm. so much for this beautiful conversation, Janine. Thank you so much for having me. This has been my pleasure as usual. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, sis. And for you, my goddess, who are listening, I know that something shifted today for you in the ether because I feel it. I feel it. So don't just sit in the terror. Just Don't just think that that has to be the way that your life is meant to be. You get to be you. And only if you start the excav excavation process, only if you take two steps toward yourself. And so thank you for listening to this conversation. Be seen, be heard, be a movement. Namaste, goddesses. 